I'm Luka Doncic and this is Locked On Mavericks Podcast. This is gonna be huge. 360 in the contract. Never that. I just take the contact. I bring it back. I'm running on the fast break behind the back. Yeah, this that, this that, this that. Jerk with the And welcome. You are locked on to the Dallas Mavericks. My name is Nick Angstead, lead analyst at Free Dawkins on YouTube. And joining me again, back by popular demand, uh, and for a reason I will mention in a minute, Kirk Henderson, aka Kirk Serious Face on Twitter. Kirk, how's it going? I'm good. I'm good. Glad to be on. Thanks for having me. Yeah. So I, I brought on Kirk because currently uh, there is a tornado going through Dallas right now. It's going through the Garland area. I'm sure by the time you're listening to it now, everything has been figured out, and uh, hopefully everyone out there has stayed safe. Isaac sent me a photo from inside his bathroom. Him and his wife and his son and his dog were all in his bathroom sitting in the bathtub, which is uh, one of the safest places you can be inside your house. So hopefully everything is um, turning out safe for him. A little nervous for him, but uh, everyone, if you if you pray to anything, just go ahead and, and uh, send prayers for him, even though it's probably already decided right now. But he'll appreciate that in the aftermath. So brought in Kirk, which... By the way, I think of all the guests we've had on, people enjoyed Kirk the most, I think, so far. Hot take. Wow. <laughs> wow. Shocking. Not a take. That That's just taking in information and telling you that that's what people actually thought. That they loved Kirk. Yeah. Wow. We need we need to we need to up the audience discernment levels if that's the case. But I'm I'm glad to be back. You know, I, I like talking like talking shop. I you know I kind of been doing this myself a little bit more and, and the real trick i don't know how you do this every day because i, I kind of get sick of hearing myself talk and um me and uh, josh bow do it a little bit and josh talks even more than i do so at the end of the podcast i'm like i don't really want to talk to you for a couple of days so the fact that you and isaac do this like five days a week is pretty impressive the fact that people will listen to us five days a week is kind of amazing to me that they can not only like listening to yourself is something but listening to one person all that time mm-hmm. is Man, that's a lot. Uh, I listened to yours recently with uh, with Ben Collins. I found that really interesting. I got I th- had some interesting ideas from it. And you guys talking about um, you know who the third best Maverick is and, and you know things like that. And I thought that was really good. So if you guys uh, listen to other Mavericks podcasts, definitely check out Kirk's. It's uh, the Mavs Moneyball feed, uh, but his is called Kirk Your Enthusiasm, which is a great name. Uh, <laughs> which is once a week. Do you have a specific day that you drop those? I try to do it in the later half of the week, mainly because I forget that I need to schedule a guest until like Tuesday. <laughs> so that, that ends up happening pretty much that way. I'm like, oh, I finished the podcast. I never want to do this again. And then it'll roll around in the middle of the next week and I, I got to get one out. Scheduling guests is like a new, it's a new thing that, that not a lot of people in media had to do before the last, I don't know, five years or so. And it's, it's, it's a daunting task to ask people because yeah. you just feel bad every time you do it. But well, and plus we're we're deep in the throng of like preview season, and yeah. I'm sure you know you listen to a lot of podcasts just as much as you know you make this one. And I feel like my feed has been jam packed, oh, like with the, the with the starters now back as no dunks. Like I I didn't update my podcast for like 36 hours. I come back to like three new ones from those guys an hour it's, each. It's, and I'm like, oh my gosh, and it gives me anxiety. <laughs> I'm, I'm not good at listening to stuff on like double speed. Like yeah. it just it freaks me out. So how people do this is odd. I don't get it. But you know, more power to them. Yeah, I can do the one and a half speed on certain things. Uh, I've tried it for like I've been, try- I've been I got into Chelsea like the English Premier League team this year 
and I tried to listen to some podcasts on like one and a half speed for that, and I just don't have enough frame of reference on the players and all the sure. the content and stuff. So I'm like, I, like man, imagine if you don't know the NBA that well and you're trying to listen to one of our podcasts. That would just um you know one mm-hmm. and a half or two times speed. Those are those are freaks of nature, I think. Yep. Well, I'm glad we're here, though. So what do we got tonight? What are we going to do? <laughs> we are getting into the GM survey. We'll also ask Kirk about his thoughts from preseason because he's a different voice you haven't heard from. You've heard Isaac and his takes about everything during the preseason. Uh, Isaac was really tired of preseason <laughs> by the end. Sure. He was like, I don't want to watch another one of these games. I just want them to be for real. Um, so we'll get Kirk's opinion on that. Uh, a couple of news points before we get into all that. As of Saturday, according to Brad Townsend, Dwight Powell is not cleared to practice. Uh, and his, according to Carlisle, quote, his return is not imminent. Monday will tell us a lot. So today on Monday when the Mavericks practice, we will know a little bit more about Dwight Powell, hopefully. Doesn't seem like he's going to be ready for the start of training camp or the start of the regular season. Uh, Chad Brown also was waived, which, is, which was expected. And he's joining the Texas Legends, which was also kind of expected. And man, the Mavs play Wednesday. It's coming. We are we're so close to the regular season. Uh, Monday today, two days away. Very excited for the Mavericks to actually play real basketball. All right, Kirk, what are your opinions on Luca and Porzingis after seeing them for a couple of games in the preseason? What do you think is the, the did anything stick out to you that you weren't expecting going in? Because it felt like we got a lot of what we expected. This depends. So I've really been trying to kind of temper my expectations. I actually started writing a post tonight that I don't think I'm going to be able to finish before the regular season. But I I approached, I remember writing in our Slack at the end of September that I have no interest in preseason, that I wasn't going to watch any of the games, (laughs) and I just didn't care. And I watched all five preseason games. I recorded a podcast after four of them, and I've written about 500 words on how I think Luke is going to be a dark horse MVP candidate if they're able to win games. I am so in the tank for how Luca looks that I, I don't really know how to describe it properly because I, I've, I, you do more way more tape analysis than me. I believe that he looks better than he did at any point last year. Is that too bold of a take, or what do you think? He, he looks more in control to me. I just I feel like that he he looks more like the game is is coming is he's going to the game rather than the game just coming to him and he just like trying to react to everything. There's a mm-hmm. there's a certain point in the NBA players you know progression where they stop just letting things happen to them and letting the defense you know dictate what they do and they are like I'm going to do what I'm going to do. And I'm going to set this up, and I'm going to take these shots. And you know, if if the shot is falling, he looks incredible. Like he looks like one of the best players in the NBA. Um, but just the shots that he's taking just shows such a confidence and the way that he controls the ball. And he, I think the fact that he knows that this is his role now. It's kind of like after the Porzingis trade happened, and the, the Mavericks ball handlers were all sent out except for Brunson, and Berea was hurt, and he was the one guy. He knew what he was he was doing, and it was what he was supposed to be doing. And it kind of freed him up. Now we're going into a full season with him at the helm doing that role with, you know, the added confidence of having an incredible rookie season behind him. So so that's that's kind of where my head is, because I remember at one point over the summer, I heard uh, Kevin Pelton, I believe it was, say that the only real way the Mavericks were going to be a playoff force is if Luka Doncic makes the leap. And I know it's only four games. I know he only played like 25 minutes a game, but he looked in total control. He wasn't taking, you know, we always, everybody, like the running internet meme is like, like Lucas shaking off a, a wide open three to take a step back. He, 
he still took a few step backs, but because they were needed, he had a lot of catch and shoot situations that were just like he didn't get last year. There was one in the game against the Clippers where Porzingis kicked it out the backside to him after kind of a low, after a uh, a post uh, post up situation, and it, it he just you know he let it fly, went through the net, it was just beautiful. It's the kind of play that we all had really hoped for, and I guess. I had gotten so used to Luca having to work for all of his buckets. Yeah. Watching him get some of these easy looks paired with the free throws actually going down was really, it was exactly what I needed to just, you know, dive into the tank. Now, I, I don't really know how good the team is going to be. I didn't really feel that good about anybody else's preseason with the exception of Brunson, who I think should should be like Zeke's backup uh, for the Cowboys. I mean, the dude just looks <laughs> like he looks like a running back, like charging down the lane half the time. And he's got those like great pivot spin moves. But that's, you know, and, and if that's all I take away, that Luca really looks great, then that's enough for me. I, I, I'm with everybody else with Isaac that I just want to see real basketball. I want to be able to overreact. I want to be able to make, you know, you. I think you you understand what I'm about to say. I want to be able to kind of irritate Carlisle with questions about how <laughs> things look yes. um, just because it, it will matter. And, you know, he there was an article. I, I don't know if you saw it. It came out today or maybe it was yesterday. Brad Townsend down uh, of yeah, Dallas yeah. News put together an article about, like, the flow offense which Carlisle gave a quote that I, I will laugh about to the end of my days. He said, I don't like calling plays, which is just such BS. I don't know where to start. <laughs> but the, 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 the whole entire article basically framed how the Mavericks, or at least Carlisle, feels that they have enough smart playmakers to where he can let them play basketball within a, a read-and-react system instead of drawing down the pace and like squeezing points out. So I'm, I'm, really, I'm just really excited about that. Like I didn't see a lot of that in preseason, but, you know, a high screen roll with Luca and Porzingis is is exactly what we could have hoped for. So there, there's just a, I have a lot of optimism right now. I'm still like worried, big picture, but I just I need to see, you know, I, I need to see the real real games. I want to see these guys play like 30, 35 minutes, and then you know see how what the final score is. Yeah, and the the first game of the season is not going to help with that because they're playing the the G League Washington Wizards right at the beginning. First of, of all, the how dare you? That's my current hometown. No, I, I you know. But I'm actually okay with that because there are some bad teams they're going to play. And with the way the Mavericks are going to play, there's not going to be a lot of tape on them. Team, guys are going to – I think we're going to have a chance as uh, to watch a team play kind of how Sacramento did last year. Oh, yeah. Which And, you know, the, it took 50 games for the league to adjust to the Kings. And that was, you know, why they kind of ended up trailing off down the, down the, the, the end of the, of the year. But the Mavericks can really push the pace and score a lot of points and just be a lot of fun to watch. And I think that, you know, we're not going to be bored. Like, we're, we're not going to be worried like last year. Uh, to a certain extent, we'd wonder, okay, is Rick going to call another post-up for Harrison Barnes or Wesley Matthews? <laughs> There's no more of that. There, it's it's going to be all Luca, all KP, and, you know, Seth Curry's going to hit a bunch of threes from the corner. Like, this is going to be really fun. Yeah. Okay, there's a lot of really good stuff in there that I want to get to. Um, so coming up, we'll discuss Luca getting better shots because I think that's super important. And uh, we'll also d- discuss not getting bored because that is uh, <laughs> that is definitely something I noticed in this preseason that I was very excited for. So coming up, we'll talk about that. Before we do, Indochino is the world's largest made-to-measure menswear brand. Start your style upgrade now with $30 off your total purchase of $399 or more at Indochino.com. When you enter the code locked on. that's code locked on one word, Indochino.com. Up your style game. All right, Kirk, 
Um, Luca getting better shots, I thought was a fascinating point that you brought up because a lot of times we say, oh, well, you know, Harden playing with Chris Paul, he'll get wide open shots now, or Westbrook playing with, with James Harden now, he'll get, you know, more catch and shoot shots that, you know, will be wide open because the attention is going on on James Harden. But sometimes that just doesn't happen because if there's only two guys, then you still have enough defenders that can sag off of one player on the, you know, a non offensive threat on the team that, you know, can take that guy. But Luca actually did get some of these shots with Porzingis, and it was awesome to see it in practice. There was, I don't know if you were talking about the uh, Clippers play, but the one where um, they, against the Pistons, Luca and Porzingis were on the left side. And they were just working back and forth. And Porzingis was backing down Blake Griffin. And then Bruce Brown, who's guarding Luka, just came off of Luka to try and swat the ball that Porzingis was holding. And he was able to kick it back. And Luka was three or four feet behind the line and just drained a three. And mm-hmm. just plays like that and the one that you mentioned are just proving the point that, yes, if you do have another player like that, like guys weren't doing that to Harrison Barnes. Right? Like, nope. like no one was com- coming off of Luka Doncic to go at Harrison Barnes because – he just wasn't as threatening. He was, a, you know, fairly efficient in the ISO scoring that he did. But uh, Porzingis is a, is a he's a presence. He's seven foot three. He can shoot the ball. Uh, we talked about before how you know even if Porzingis doesn't shoot well from three, if he's like one for nine or something from the night, every team is still going to go over the top of screens because they're they're they know that he's a threat. They're going to come out and close out on him because they know that he's a threat and that's his reputation. And that reputation is what's really going to help Luca get these better shots. Yeah. Yeah. It's, there were few opportunities last year, you know, they, they'd call the occasional isolation post up where Luca was like, he was in, in a really good percentile for that sort of shot, but he didn't have enough volume. And I, I remember asking, this is maybe a little out of school, but I remember DMing like Bobby Corrala with like, like 30 games left saying, you know, how come Luca's never the screener? And that's the thing Josh Bowe and I like to talk about. We'll probably talk about it forever, uh, mainly because it doesn't seem like any NBA, like superstar wings like Kevin Durant know how to actually set and roll off a screen. They just love to slip it. But Luca never, ever got opportunities for easy buckets. He was always dribbling. He was always like having to go to the cup himself. There have been a couple opportunities where in, in this offseason where he's, you know, cut to the basket and either drew attention, which is just as important, or received the pass and gotten the look and got hammered. And that sort of thing is going to be very important if the Mavericks hope to to you know stay in games, particularly against against better teams. And I also think what it does is it really you know kind of takes a little bit of the the energy pressure off him. You know, Luca was so tired by the end of last yeah. year. And if they can do anything, you know, where where they're running lineups with multiple ball handlers and those other guys actually get to handle the ball. With respect to JJ Barea, there's there's been too there were too many opportunities before he got hurt last year where him and Luca would play together and then Luca just wouldn't see the ball for five minutes at a time. The, those days are over. Those days are over. Luca and Porzingis are the are the the center of this offense and that really provides a lot of clarity with what they're going to do and hopefully that will mean you know uh, you know peeling back to my first segment kind of hot take I, I think Luca could be in the argument for for MVP if he's scoring you know, 24 to 25 points a game or even more. Like, they're, the, the opportunity's there. I, I, I'm really psyched. Yeah, the volume matched with the efficiency. If he can if he can shoot, you know, from from the free throw line like he did during, you know, the preseason and get to the line like he did, adding those free throw numbers is what gets guys from that 20, you know, points per game to like 25, 26. You know, or well, maybe, did, it, and maybe adding like one some, more three a game. 
I did some research because I just found this really interesting. You know, one of the things during Dirk's MVP year, he was shooting something like mm. 10 to 11 free throws a game, which there are a couple of guys that were doing that. Luca was Luca a- averaged 6.7 free throw attempts as a rookie, and that was somehow 10th best in the league. Can you believe that? There were only three guys who shot more than eight and a half in the entire in the entire league last year, and in this preseason alone, he's shooting eight and a half free throws a, a game. Like I'm, there's just some real opportunity for him to get easy easy points, which is is just you know. The more, you know, the more fouls, the more free throws, like it just opens up all sorts of, of le- layers to their offense that, you know, they'll take advantage of because, well, I, I have some real criticisms of the build of the roster. Every single guy with the maybe like one exception of like Dorian Finney-Smith, all of those guys are willing to take shots. And, and that sort of thing just, it, it starts to compound and really become a problem for defenses because all these guys are able to put the ball in the hoop if give and want to if given the opportunity so it's it's more than just luca but he's really the catalyst oh ab- absolutely i think part of the you know, added free throws and getting fouled so much is that you know more the the presence of porzingis guys have to make split quick decisions on who am i going to guard are we switching you know and in the preseason you know, teams don't really have all that figured out yet especially new guys that might not be on the roster the next day so they're all like okay well do i stick with him do i switch do i do this and then all of a sudden you're late luca has already made a decisive decision and he's you know to the basket and you're having to grab him from behind because you <laughs> couldn't decide what you're going to do and i think that's just going to happen you know during the regular season too even when teams start to figure it out a little bit because you know of the presence porzingis brings um your other point, though, of, of not getting bored. I, I'm just so excited that this is going to be a season where the Mavericks are a league pass team. Um, mm-hmm. The Mavericks are a team that are is actually going to be fun. They're actually going to have fun games. I think they're, some of the games are going to come down to the wire like last year, and, and Luka is just going to do the things that Luka d- did last year, but the team is going to be a little bit better around him with a, a guy to pull some of that pressure off of. Uh, we're going to have some Porzingis clutch moments, too, and those are going to be incredible. Hopefully... In uh, Madison Square Garden, he goes off, and that's going to be fun. And just this team is not just like Dennis Smith Jr. and no one else, <laughs> right? Like that's what this team has been over the last couple of years until last year. Uh, it's just it's going to be super fun. I'm I'm really excited to to watch this team more. Well, the the boredom thing is is you know one of the wonderful things about an online community is that you start talking to the same people. But kind of like yeah. what you and I talked about before the podcast even came on. When you talk to the same people every day about the same stuff, you end up having arguments just because there's nothing new to talk about. One of the super awkward things about Harrison Barnes and Wesley Matthews and to a lesser extent DeAndre Jordan is it became clear by like game 20 that Luca was the best player on the team and that they needed to clear out space. Now, what was just incredible to me is that the Mavericks not only moved on from Dennis Smith when an opportunity presented itself was that they also moved on from Harrison Barnes. And I was kind of expecting, you know, the, for Dallas, frankly, to resign Barnes. Yeah. And then it would be, you know, just the kind of the slow petering out where Harrison wouldn't be on the team in like 2022. And that's no, no, no disrespect to Harrison. Cause he's a great guy, good player, just didn't really fit. And now that they've sped up their timetable a little bit, there's simply more to discuss and we don't have to argue about really strange things like, oh, is so-and-so going to fit in the roster in three years? Jonathan because, Motley. Right. It just doesn't matter because the two key pieces are there, and they're either going to work 
and I think they will or they won't. And then, you know, we're going to be looking ahead to saying, okay, how can, how can they continue to build the roster and become something better? So that sort of thing will allow, you know, really getting into the weeds with how the team actually operates on the fringes, which is a little more fun to discuss instead of worrying about whether the main pieces fit. Because I think it was fairly clear to a good portion of, of the people who are really diehard fans that Dennis wasn't going to be long for this world by like Christmas. And the fact that it, it happened so quickly is still very surprising to me. But I'm glad they did it. And now we're kind of in a in a much better place where, you know, we're, we're, we're still going to argue, but that's half the fun. Instead, we're going to be arguing about what they could be instead of, you know, what what some of these things, you know, some of the kind of awkward conversations related to players who, you know, I mean, it was obvious what Wesley Matthews wasn't going to be here forever, that sort of thing. Yeah, but it felt like he was. Oh, man. <laughs> it really felt like he was. The Harrison Appreciate Barnes service. one. The Harrison Barnes one is interesting. I don't know if you saw the report. Uh, Shams reported that a source close to the the King said that they already regret that deal that they made yeah. with Harrison Barnes. Uh, I think most of that is because you know Buddy Heald now wants a deal and Bogdanovich is going to want a deal too, and you know all these guys and Bagley's for sure going to want a deal when his comes up. But uh, the, yeah, they made this huge deal with Harrison Barnes, and the Mavericks are going to be in the, that same situation. Yes, with him and, absolutely, and then and, yeah, and it's the offensive fit too. It's it's just for the best that they that they realized that they needed to completely build everything from the ground up around Luca. I'm glad that it didn't take you know two extra years of of wondering because I hate yelling into the void. I'm not right a lot, but I've been right enough since they've started doing this rebuild stuff. You know, following that awesome. You know, playoff run where Vince Carter and the Mavs took the Spurs to seven. But since then, you know, the only real upside we've had is is first, you know, uh, Dennis Smith Jr. and then you know the Luka Doncic season. And now we're just here, and everything is is it could have been it could have been so much worse. It could have been you know Dennis Smith and uh, uh, Wendell Carter Bamba. Jr. Yeah. or Mo Bamba. <laughs> like the, the we're just in such a good place, and the fact that they actually managed to skip a, a five year rebuild is that's going to be that's going to blow my mind for the next ten years. Yeah, it's inc- it's incredible. The fact that they, you know, could make that trade and all that they really gave up was what? Trey Young and uh Cam Reddish? Like, yeah. Yeah, yeah, and we they never and the Mavericks the the thing the thing that people need to always remember back to is is Trey Young was not on the Mavericks board when they had Dennis Smith Jr. Like that wasn't an option. Yeah. As good as he's been, it's it's just not a it's that's not a fair thing. So so they're just in this place right now where you know they they do have a couple of draft picks to give up. I think I'm going to be crying and in, in, into my pillow with the 2021 draft because there's all these guys oh, that I'm just low key obsessed with. But I hopefully the Mavs will be good enough to where it wouldn't have mattered, and that you know the Knicks will be drafting in the 20s, and and we can all laugh about this. Yeah, and the Knicks are very good at nailing all their draft picks. So, <laughs> <laughs> although RJ Barrett finally had a good game, man, I'm glad like. <laughs> I, I'm glad we don't. I'm, I I called him a, a copy of a copy of a copy of Luka Doncic. That's Canadian. I just I don't think he. <laughs> I'm not interested in him. He, he's there. There. He, he just he gives me like extreme Rudy Gay out of college vibes, yeah. oh, and I, I just can't shake that. Yeah, uh, Fizdale said that that R.J. Barrett is also going to play some point guard for them too, and I was like, oh man, poor Dennis Smith Jr. Like I can't, <laughs> I can't yeah, catch he, a break. He's already yeah, pushing we, for minutes between. You know him and Alfred Payton and uh, who's the other guy? Oh, Frank Nilakina. <laughs> I know. I mean, the- I, what's the what's the uh, rest of the development? Hello, darkness, my old friend. <laughs> like just <been laughs> Dennis Smith, like staring into the void. 
Oh, and he was hurt going into the preseason too, so he missed a couple games and put him behind. And oh man, poor so, guy. I still, I really hope that he does well in the NBA. But I'm glad the Mavericks ended so. up where they were. Okay, coming up, let's actually get into the GM survey because Isaac and I aren't going to have time for it, and I really want to get to some of these Mavs things. So coming up, the GM survey where the Mavericks were mentioned several times. All right, Kirk. So. The annual GM survey, uh, GMs across the league. Now, it's not every single GM that votes on this, on every single one, because sometimes the percentages are like, how does that work? You know, for, there's somebody got 4% of the vote. There's 30 GMs. One vote should be like 3%. That doesn't make any sense. Uh, so not every GM votes on every one of these questions, but I'll give you where the Mavericks landed in their percentage uh, with an estimate of how many voted for them. So if you were starting a franchise today, and could sign any player in the NBA, who would it be? 86% went with Giannis, 7% went with Anthony Davis, and 7% with Luka. I'm guessing that's two votes. It's the 7% there. Uh, So two GMs. I'm not sure if you could vote for your own guy. I don't think that they specified that or not. But two GMs said that they would take Luka Doncic to start their franchise. I mean, everything we just said is still true, but doesn't that excite you? It does. It does, because you you, you look at a guy like Giannis, who is simply, I mean, he's just miles above, above everyone else else within the age range. So to even have be mentioned is, is, is pretty exciting. I don't, I still don't know where I think Luca's ceiling is, I, I, but shooting just seems to matter more and more with each passing year and he, he can shoot. So, so it's, it's a good feeling to know that, that the value with Luca is there and we weren't the only ones to, you know, to see it so early because sometimes with these international players, it takes a little while for them to kind of permeate the, the other team consciousness. Yeah. And here he is, here he is coming. And Giannis is another international player, which is kind of amazing that, uh, teams were on him so quickly too, after he came in the NBA, um, which team will be the most improved in 2018, 2019, the Lakers got 38% of the vote. The Mavericks got 21%. They're number two in who will be the most improved. The rest of them, I think three votes for the Clippers, two votes for the Hawks, Nets, and Bulls, and Pelicans, and then the Knicks with 4%. Uh, one one vote, I guess, on that one. <laughs> the Lakers and then the Mavericks is the most improved teams. Are you buying it? So 33 wins last year. What's, what's most improved to you? I don't know, 43? I mean, there's just not been a lot of double-digit increases in NBA history in terms of win totals. So I, that's got to be the goal. But I, I, I think anything you know, seven, eight, nine is going to be pretty exciting for us. I, I still think the Lakers will take the biggest jump just because they they got the bet. You know, they ended up with the best player, you know, in free agency paired with you know a top three player all time. So it's kind of not fair. But, you know, I'm okay with being in the conversation because it means that we're not kind of, you know, we're not screaming into the void about how good the Mavericks might be, unlike, you know, certain franchises like New York, who all their fan base thinks they're good no matter what, and it just (laughs) isn't the case. And then, uh, yeah, the the Nets only getting 2%, even though they added Kyrie and, and Durant. I guess that, I guess they're not really counting Durant in that. The Bulls on there make no sense to me. I don't know. You know, I kind of I kind of like the Bulls because Otto Porter Jr. You know, I I, not, I have an opportunity to watch him when he was out here. I think he's very much a usage level guy. The East is just pretty bad. 
you know, if they play through Porter, they have an opportunity to be pretty good. I really do. And, 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 you know, I know Isaac will like this, but I, I think Kobe White is, is, is a pretty good player. Yeah. Isaac would say he's a steal. That's, that's and, his thing for North Carolina. I think he's right. <laughs> I, I give him grief about his UNC takes a lot, but I think he's right in this instance because Wendell Carter Jr. is also really good. And he didn't play enough last year. And I think their coach basically robbed the guy of his, of his confidence. So I, I think he, he has an opportunity to be to be pretty special. So they have a lot. They're kind of like the Mavericks bench in the sense that they have a lot of things that need to work right for them to be, you know, for them to, to really come together. But the East is terrible. I mean, the, uh, I had somebody tell me the other day that the Nets would have made the playoffs in the West. Well, that's actually factually wrong because the Nets won 42 games and, and they were a six seed. <laughs> in the East. In the East. And the eight and the A seed in the West won 48. So... You know these teams aren't near as good just because you know they're playing in a terrible conference. So that, I think they have an opportunity. They could win thirty nine games and be a seven seed. Yeah, just just picking them over the Lakers or the Mavericks because that's what you would have to do to vote in this. You'd have to pick that team. Uh, I don't understand doing that. Woo. Who is the best international player in the NBA? Giannis, seventy nine percent of the vote. Jokic with fourteen percent, which I'm guessing is. Four votes, and then Luka Doncic, seven percent. I'm guessing that's two votes. Maybe it could be one. I don't know how many voted on right. this, but so at least one GM thinks that Luka is the best international player over Giannis. I'm thinking maybe Donnie can can vote on this, <laughs> I, and I'm thinking somebody forgot Giannis is an overseas player. Like Ooh, that's, that's that's true. That's about that's about the main takeaway I can think of. Like this, you know, he was MVP last year. Come on, guys. Yeah, come on. He had you know he. He's basically Shaq's efficiency in the post with, you know, being able to handle the ball and, and move like Kobe. Right. <laughs> Which is just crazy. Which head coach makes the best in-game adjustments? Rick Carlisle, 28% of the vote. He was number one. Now, he didn't. He wasn't even mentioned in any of the other coaching voting things, which was kind of interesting to me. But the best in-game adjustments, Rick Carlisle. That is pretty interesting. Brad Stevens, number two, with 17%. Quinn Snyder, 14%. Steve Clifford and Greg Popovich with 10%. Nick Nurse with 7 And then also receiving votes, Mike Budenholzer, Michael Malone, Doc Rivers, and Eric Spolstra. So pretty much everyone voted for random people. But Rick Carlisle got a decent number of votes. Yeah, and and there's enough, you know. Rick is is if the Mavericks weren't trying to lose games two years ago, they would have won, you know, 36, 37, you know, and uh, what did they win? 27 games. I think two years ago they would have won, you know, 33 games had they not been openly tanking. Rick is just he's the best at squeezing, you know, a, a, a lot out of out of, you know, kind of mediocre players. And I really do think he he's good at figuring out, you know, in-game adjustments with how things are supposed to work. So, yeah, you know, it, it's about right. I think he's he's kind of taken a hit the last few years just due to how stubborn he is in terms of perception. There was this uh, asinine quote from uh, Kendrick Perkins oh, Kendrick. on the jump last week about how I've heard that players don't really like playing for him. Well, Perk, we know the player you're talking about is Rajon Rondo because that's the <laughs> only dude you talk to. So I'm not really going to take his his thoughts very much. But it's, you know, the Mavericks really haven't. It, it, when, you, when you lose, you know, for three straight years, anybody's reputation is going to take a beating. Yeah, and, you know, point guards have had their fair share of things to say against Rick, too. So, you know, right. he could have talked to him and Dennis Smith Jr. And, you know, like guys like that right. that had to be pushed out of their role a little bit. But, um, but yeah. So, uh, and the last one, which team has the most promising young core? The Pelicans at 28%, the Denver Nuggets 24%, the Hawks 17%. 
Kings with 10%, 76ers 7%, and then also receiving votes. So they received one vote. The Celtics, the Bulls, the Mavericks, and the Grizzlies. Why is why did the Mavericks not get more votes? I mean, I don't think people realize how old Porzingis is. You know, the fact of the matter is uh, Brandon uh, Clark, who was drafted by the Memphis Grizzlies, is seven months younger than Porzingis. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he's a young man. He's just been in the league for a while. And, you know, it, and that sort of thing just, I think, tempers when you're filling out a quick survey, even if you give it thought. That's just that's just sort of the deal. And then, you know, the other the other part of this and, and you know, Jalen Brunson probably doesn't come to mind whenever teams think of a young core. Uh, because you know he's a second round guy. The, those sorts of things play play against the Mavericks compared to, you know, like the Pelicans who just have six guys or five or six guys who are extremely talented recent lottery picks. So you know that the, it's all about perception when it comes to that sort of thing. I mean, the Mavericks have one of the easier paths. I think well, easier is not the right word. One of the more uh, clear-cut paths to playoff contention just because they have the best players out of the young group uh, uh, kind of classification. They just don't have five of them. They have two. Yeah, which we would take those two over many of the other players that were in these other cores. I mean, the Hawks Absolutely. players, the Kings guys. The Sixers, I guess, I guess they're considering Embiid in there. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, you have Simmons and I guess people are really liking uh, Tybal, so. <laughs> yep. So, all right, there you go. Any other thoughts on the GM survey, Kirk? No, no, it was, it was good to be mentioned for once. It's kind of one of those easy news things we can talk about right before the season starts. But it's it's nice to know that they're getting mentioned because uh, it's really easy to feel left out and wondering why people aren't taking our players seriously. Well, for the first time in many, many years, we have enough good players to matter. So it should be exciting for everyone. There you go. You can follow Kirk on Twitter at Kirk Serious Face, but I'm sure you already do. And then we also mentioned his podcast uh, on the Mavs Moneyball feed. Anywhere you get podcasts, it's uh, Kirk Your Enthusiasm. Kirk, thanks for joining us. Of course, of course. Yeah, let's have fun this season. There you go. Peace out. Boom. <laughs>